Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Single Tracks podcast. My name is Jeff, and today I'm going to be talking with Andrew Taylor. So Andrew is a professional free ride mountain bike athlete who set out last year to ride his mountain bike in all 48 U.S. states. He's still on the road with just a few more states to go, and today I believe he's joining us from his van. Thanks for joining us, Andrew. Yeah, thanks for having me. So how did you get into mountain biking and free ride specifically? So actually, like growing up in Santa Rosa, California, um, I lived right across the street from a place called Annadale State Park, which offered mm-hmm. a bunch of solid mountain bike trails. So I grew up um, just, yeah, riding my bike after school over there quite a bit. And I had a lot of friends growing up that were doing the BMX dirt jump thing. And we had a solid set of dirt jumps in town. So it was kind of like the perfect timing where I believe it was like specialized launch, like their P series bikes and dirt jump mountain biking started to become a big thing. So mm-hmm. I really went from like kind of dabbling with some racing, um, into just the whole free ride dirt jump scene. And yeah, I haven't really looked back since. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, were the dirt jumps, were these like sanctioned dirt jumps or were these like things people had just built like kind of unofficially? Yeah, so we had in the city of Santa Rosa, behind the the skate park, they were kind of these unofficial jumps that were built by a big BMX crew that was a bit older than I am. And Mm -hmm. eventually the city saw what they were doing and wanted to make it legal. So they worked with the city and they ended up making a legal dirt jump park that's actually still there. And I I actually helped rebuild that one of the years, I think, for a film project I did. So it's kind of cool to see that stuff still going. And now the the city of Santa Rosa has gotten more involved in the most recent years. They're they're well known for their their road biking scene. They have a lot of mm-hmm. teams out of there. But as far as the mountain bike, there is great mountain biking. And um, recently, I'd say it's been about two years ago. I helped build the first um, pump track in town, which was really cool to see the city get behind that. So yeah, just a, growing up in a a great community that's like yeah into bike riding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Annadale is, is known for having great mountain biking. Although I guess that's more, probably be like more cross country style there, right? Yeah, exactly. It's really uh cross country, all mountain ish stuff. And that's actually, so mm-hmm. growing up in Santa Rosa. And then once I was able to take my bike riding to the next level, I actually ended up moving down to Santa Cruz at the age of 21, just because of that, like there's great, it was a great like community to grow up in and be surrounded by bike riding. But to take myself to the next level, I had to kind of make the move down to Santa Cruz and live with a lot of the guys that were doing what I was doing at that time. Yeah. Well, I mean, that takes a lot of dedication. And I mean, a lot of us start out biking when we're younger and then maybe kind of give it up or, you know, it's not such a serious thing anymore, but you've made a career out of it, right? So what is it about mountain biking that just has you so jazzed up honestly like i have the biggest itch for travel (laughs) 
I mean, <laughs> go figure trying to, to hit all 48 states in a year, but <laughs> right. obviously I love the riding aspect and like making goals for myself when I was competing a lot. That was a great part of my life, just pushing myself to the limits of learning new things. And then throughout that process of getting to travel places for contests and just seeing the different cultures and different people around the world and just learning about things, like really like sparked my interest and having um, the support of Adidas doing a lot of like very cool trips throughout my career with them. It kind of like pushed me to, hey, the sky's the limit. If I can dream up a plan and I can execute it, like it's going to be able to happen. So I've been very fortunate for that. Yeah, that's really cool. So yeah, I mean, let's talk about the 48 state road trip. How'd you get the idea and what's sort of your goal for this project? So it all started for a while. I knew I wanted to get some type of van and um, do some <laughs> do some road trips. So I originally built a school bus. Whoa, like a full-size, full-length school bus? It was actually a, a short bus, so... Okay. I believe it was like 22 feet long, and yeah, I just bought it bought it straight from the school for a couple thousand dollars, and Whoa. yeah, just completely yellow, ripped all the seats out, and I spent about six months just outfitting this thing, you know, painted it, solar panels, like just decked it out to the nine, and and that was my first project was driving all the way up to Alaska from California. Wow. And we did that in about a four part video that um, we did online. And then Adidas actually made a TV show out of it that ended up hitting like United Airlines um, in flight entertainment. So it was a cool motivation for me to see like if these projects, if we can execute them well, then I can make stuff happen. So fast forward, I finished that. I started living in the bus. <laughs> like I, when I built the thing, I just it was like solely for the purpose of these like weekend trips or you know a couple weeks here there. But mm -hmm. one summer, I just decided you know rent's pretty high in Santa Cruz. Like I might as well. I'm never home. I might as well just start living in this thing for the summertime <laughs> and then figure figure out my situation. Then it went from that summer to I don't really want to get off the road, so. I had to kind of dream up of a plan, like, how can this make sense? I don't want to just be driving around, roaming around with no, you know, nothing. I mean, I'm riding my bike every day, but I kind of wanted goals and stuff. So yeah, I was uh, on a vacation with my parents and my stepdad. He's kind of a big adventure bike rider, or not bike rider, sorry, motorcycle rider. And he was showing me, just randomly showing me this map of how you could hit all the states, like, on a road trip. And I was like, wow, that would be really cool to do that, but bring the biking aspect into it. Yeah. So from then on, I was like, all right, well, I was ready to upgrade from living in a school bus with no shower and whatnot. So started doing doing my uh, my research and planning, and yeah, I ended up... Actually, I'm sorry, I kind of skipped a step in my phase. I started planning that, and then we were planning also another trip where... Um, Martin Soderstrom, who's another rider for Adidas, mm -hmm. big slope style guy, he and I had a trip planned to drive from California down to Mexico. So the first trip was called Alaska or Bust. The second trip was called Baja or Bust. So I actually knew that was towards the end of that summer, and I knew that I needed to get an RV. I needed to rent an RV for the film crew that went with us, along with bringing my school bus. So at that point, I already knew that 
I wanted to do this 48 state road trip. I was already planning that as well. So I went ahead and just purchased uh, the RV that I'm living in now. So we brought my school bus down to Mexico and the RV had a great trip. The filmer guys ended up actually driving my school bus back to California. (laughs) Martin flew back to Sweden and I took an extra month and a half to drive up through Mexico. And then once I arrived back, I prepared everything for my road trip of the 48 state and yeah, just got after it. Cool. Well, how long was that like from when you had first had the idea to like actually, you know, getting on the road and hitting state number one? So I had been planning my trip to Mexico throughout the summer. It was a fall trip. And during that time I knew I needed, I'm like always kind of looking into the future. Like we kind of, I was letting you know, like my next, my next goals. But anyways, yeah, like I just knew that I wanted to do it. So it pretty much rolled straight in getting back from Mexico for Christmas time, spent some time with the family. And then I had about two months of getting my RV wrapped and outfitted with all the racks that I needed and just kind of prepared and also kind of learning how to film because this would be like my first adventure of kind of filming everything myself and editing and yeah, whatnot. I mean, I dabbled with it a, a little bit the prior summer of cruising around in the school bus, but yeah, I really just took those couple months to, to really like hone in what I needed to do to make this happen. So, so yeah, um, I ended up filming the first video early April of last year down in Big Sur. Um, I had a bit of help from my uh, buddy who's a videographer long. We did a bike check, um, like an RV check and kind of just a spiel on like what I was doing and what my goals were. And then from there on out, basically just hit the road running. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really impressive. So, I mean, it sounds like what, less than a year from like idea to on the road. I mean, that seems pretty quick. I I feel like most people would take a long time and kind of, you know, be like, oh, I don't know if I can do this or like, I'm not going to be ready to do this until I do X, Y, Z. But like, sounds like you were able to make it happen pretty quickly. Yeah, I remember two weeks before I was actually leaving was when I actually drew out my route map. Wow. <laughs> Just because it's kind of an overwhelming thing to even think about. Like a lot of things can happen and I was trying to plan plan my trip to where I could Norco has a product launch that I attend every year, um, and also a Radfest event. So I knew I wanted to go up there and be a part of that up in BC. So I kind of had to plan my route. Well, how can I carve through the U.S., back Mm -hmm. to the West Coast, up and down, and make it all make sense, and also with the weather? And then having I've had quite a few friends like fly in, stay with me for weeks at a time, and fly out. So also planning with all that, it's just you kind of you can plan for something like this, but you kind of have to wing it as well. But yeah. It is pretty cool looking back now with four states left to go and looking at the map that I just drew out. I literally hit did it like verbatim besides I think one state. Like one state I skipped <laughs> wow. I skipped on the way up. I think it was Pennsylvania. And that was actually because oh, like when I was planning this as well, like I didn't know exactly where the best riding spots were in each state. So it's been kind of interesting. I feel like I've done a lot of backtracking ups and downs and crosses and whatnot, but right. But for the most part, yeah, it worked out well and it actually worked out really well for hitting Pennsylvania on the east east side just because of the people I ended up connecting with and Yeah, that's cool. I mean, yeah, watching your videos and like seeing the places you've been, but more importantly, like the people you've been able to ride with 
and just like the local intel that you've been able to get. I mean, that stuff takes a ton of planning and yeah, I'm sure you're, you're being modest a bit because I feel like, yeah, a lot of time is just going to be spent like trying to find people and get info and like coordinate stuff. So it's not all just like driving around and hopping out and getting on your bike, right? Yeah, totally. Because my goal is basically to meet up with locals. Like I don't want to show up somewhere and just ride a spot by myself, even if it's like the most amazing riding. Like I'd rather, yeah, my goal is to connect with people on this trip and just like that's what it's it's been about. And it's also been so great because the mountain bike community, just people that have like just reached out like, hey, when you get to... Arkansas like let me know I would love to show you around and and honestly there's only been a handful of times this whole entire trip where I was just really like in a place and just stumped on people to ride with (laughs) (laughs) I mean a couple of times I've done some like reaching out through uh, social media like hey guys I'll be in this area at this time but for the most part like the mountain bike community it seems like they're stoked on, um, what I'm doing and want to help me. So yeah, it's just, it's such a blessing to like be a part of such a cool community of people. Yeah. Well, so I want to ask you, how are you able to finance this trip? I know you mentioned you have some sponsors, but was that a big challenge for you? And and what kind of like sacrifices have you had to make to make this happen? So yeah, I mean, I don't, have a house. <laughs> I put I put everything in <laughs> makes it easier. Totally. I put everything in storage. I sold my truck. I basically like just made my lifestyle very minimalistic and I pitched it to some of my sponsors and they were they were on board with it. But for the most part, doing this trip has actually been I mean, I wouldn't say it's like cheap in any sense, but it's the way I'm living, you know, I have the RV, it has all the amenities that I need. I really uh, stay at a lot of Walmart parking lots or nice or people that reach out to me. They're always seem to be happy for me to like, you know, park in front of their place for a couple of nights here or there. So I'm not staying in RV parks every night. But with that being said, I have. But yeah, I guess being able to fund it through my sponsors yeah. Well, so, I mean, it sounds like too, you're, you're a one man crew. I mean, you're doing all of the writing, obviously, right. The planning and like putting the stories together and then you're filming it all yourself. And then not only that, you're the on-camera talent um, <laughs> and the editor and the marketer and, and everything. Right. So seem I mean, that seems like a sacrifice for sure. It sounds like it, it could get pretty exhausting after a while. Oh yeah. There's, there's definitely times where I'm just like, man, but I mean, I'm like literally like having such a great time with great people. I mean, I think the only time where it actually starts to become really hard is when the weather isn't playing in my favor because entering a state, I just want to be able to do it justice. Like I don't want to just show up to a state and be like, oh, well, I tried and then move on to the (laughs) next one. You know, it's like my recent edit that I just put out yesterday was the first time that I actually had to combine two states in one, which was Delaware and Maryland because got so much rain got snowed on in dc whoa and then we were yeah supposed to ride the watershed and it was just we we attempted but the amount of content that i was able to create in those like three places was i felt it was just a better idea to make it all into one Mm -hmm. rather than just trying to make these short videos from each one so yeah it's definitely been a lot of work but i really enjoy it and then and you know growing up 
riding and doing the whole contest thing and then doing these film trips with the filmers, I feel like I was able to learn a lot from that side of like, I did a lot of the trips I've done in the past. I did a lot of the, I'd say like the planning forum, the hiring of the filmers and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Like I would be able to pitch the idea to my sponsors and then go ahead and execute it. So I kind of knew that side of it. Um, I guess the filming aspect and editing was like the one thing that I wasn't super uh, knowledgeable on. But it's been really fun mm -hmm. for me. I think that's actually what keeps me stoked is like just learning something new along with the riding. So, yeah, that's cool. Well, I mean, what is what is your advice for people who are trying to get sponsors, or you know, like what are the sponsors looking for in a trip like this, or or really just like working with an athlete like yourself? It's so crazy nowadays. You know, when I first started like my mountain bike career, I was competing. There was no such thing as really as social media. Like there was ma there was magazines and results. And now nowadays it's like heavy influence on making, creating content. Like it's just as important for getting your stuff out there as it is for results. I feel like to a lot of sponsors. So do the sponsors want that content? They want you to create it for them to use, or is it like, you're creating your own content, but you're, you know, and getting it out through your own channels and everything, but obviously mentioning your sponsors. Yeah. And I would say it's different for, for each sponsor, like depending on who you're working with, but like, I'd say a portion, a good portion of my sponsors, like, well, I'll, I'll send them each week, you know, my videos and the Instagram videos and whatnot. And sometimes they'll post it. Sometimes they'll have a lot of other stuff going on. And then some of them, I believe, yeah, it's just having awareness of yeah, out there creating your own content and just, mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of like sponsorships too are like relationships of, yeah, just working together. They, as long as they, they, they know you're out there doing something with your time and you're not just being lazy about it, like they're more than happy to <laughs> right. support what you're doing. Yeah. I've been lucky too in my career. Like I've been with the same sponsors, some of them over like 15 years now which is pretty wild. I mean, I switched bike brands halfway through my career, but that's about it. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, and that says a lot about, yeah, like sticking with sponsors and like delivering what they need because yeah, obviously if, if they're not getting anything out of it, then they're going to move on. And so that's good advice. I think it, it's just helped like throughout my career, staying with the same people. They know if they're going to help me support a project that I'm going to return back and and give them something, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's not as big of a gamble for them. Right. Well, you mentioned that you started out uh, on one of your earlier projects with a school bus that you modified to road trip around in, and now you're in an RV. So tell us a little bit about like why you decided to go with that setup and what exactly you did to like get it ready for this trip. Yeah, so the, the school bus was great, and it definitely... I started at ground zero, I'd say, with that thing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just a cheap old school bus. It had, I ended up making it really nice, like had a great time in it, but it just didn't have a bathroom. It didn't have, it had an outdoor shower. It's just the convenience wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So I knew that if I was going to take on a task this large, I needed to have something that was going to be comfortable to live in, you know, whether I was parking an RV campsite or at the local Walmart, like, I just needed something to be comfortable. So I went ahead and I started searching around. I knew I didn't want, I kind of, in the beginning, 
it might sound a little ridiculous, but I started looking at like these the diesel pusher like fun movers where they have a garage so everything could be like enclosed in the back, not hanging out in the elements. Yeah, yeah. But they're just so big and long and the worst gas mileage. So I ended up, yeah, just finding kind of like the ideal RV for myself, which is like a 25 foot RV on a Sprinter chassis, um, has a few beds in it so I can have a couple of people with me. The only unfortunate thing is obviously my motorcycle is on the front. My bikes are on the back. They're locked up. I haven't had any issues, knock on wood. I also don't tend to stay in any big cities in sketchy areas. Kind of, that's been actually, yeah, that'd be a cool thing to press on. Like one of the downfalls of, I guess this trip would be always worrying about my stuff, like where I'm parking and like where I'm at because, you know, I have always paranoid my camera gear inside here, my computers, just my life stuff. Yeah, that's, that's good. I know. Yeah. I've heard from others that they've had problems with things being stolen, but, but like you said, it's always like in a big city and it's usually like you're out at a trail or like camping out in the forest or anything. It's, it's when you start getting in urban areas. Exactly. So yeah, back to your question as far as picking, um, the right RV. So yeah, I did, did research and then I ended up choosing like a diesel. It's on a diesel spinner chassis because the, the mileage better, it's obviously going to last longer and it's my home. I don't have, everything's in storage. So this is basically it for me. So yeah, I knew I just wanted wanted something a little bit nicer than the school bus. I could go back and shower in. I've got a full kitchen and being able to cook on the road is is pretty big. That way I don't have to like go out and eat every meal. Right. Yeah, I've been I mean, I feel like besides the bikes being outside, this is like a pretty pretty dialed setup that I'd definitely like recommend to people like wanting to do this same type of thing. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's good recommendation. So what's been your favorite trail or riding spot so far? Oh man, (laughs) (laughs) that is a tough one. I feel like there's so many great places to ride throughout the U S it's, you know, growing up on the West coast, I, I did a lot of riding in California, Oregon, Washington, up into BC, which Mm -hmm. is some of the best riding in the world, I think. But I think this trip, like being able to go out to new places that I've never been and finding stuff like Jackson Hole, Wyoming, the past there, like, and the community, mm-hmm. it was just so cool. I love that place. It's, I'm already planning like this next summer to go back there and spend a little bit more time just because it was such a cool spot. And then there's like surprising places like up in Duluth in Minnesota, like just such cool terrain on, on the Great Lakes Copper Harbor in the UP was another like just great place. And uh, and there's so many places with great riding, but it's also the communities that are around them that I think make them special. Like right now I'm in Northwest Arkansas. Been here for a lot longer than expected because every day, I mean, I've gotten hit by a little bit of weather, but it's also for the fact that every day I'm going to ride a new spot that's just like blowing my mind with what they're doing out here. Cool. So with only having four states left, I would say, yeah, those, those places were definitely like a lot of the highlights throughout. Yeah. Well, what are, I mean, you mentioned that you're surprised at the good writing some places. What are some of the other surprises, good or bad? Are there places that, you know, maybe you've heard were really awesome, but you thought they were just kind of meh or like what's surprised you? 
You know, uh, recently, the most recent thing, well, actually, going down into Florida, you wouldn't expect great mountain biking because it's such a flat state, but mm-hmm. it was one of the funnest states that I went to, I think, because Florida's like a traveler's destination. You know, there's state parks all over yep. the whole state, all the way down. They're actually fairly cheap. That was a state where I stayed in a lot of RV, RV places because, you know, it's like 30 bucks a night. And they actually mm-hmm. have built mountain bike trails at almost every state park, yeah, which was really cool. So I was so surprised down to see that down in Florida. Like they just had built this new place at Jonathan Dickinson State Park um, near Jupiter, which was called Bunker Hill. And you know they just were able to like utilize like a lot of ups and downs, but just seeing seeing what they're doing there and Ocala. Uh, just some great riding in Florida. And then making my way out of Florida up into Alabama, I, I actually was like, man, I don't want to leave Florida. It's nice and warm. <laughs> the mountain biking's been great. Yeah. I get up into Alabama and then I'm literally like mind blown on, on what I was able to find in Alabama and, and the people that I met up with. So I think that's the coolest, like having like low expectations and then just being like totally blown out of the water with what you find. And and like I said, having the mountain bike community kind of helping me out throughout this whole thing, it's like, it makes it even that much better. Yeah. I'd be interested to know sort of what the mountain bike community is like in some of these places and like how it compares, you know, it seems like from what I've seen in places like Florida, where it's not like a traditional mountain bike location or what people would think of the people who are there, they're like super tight. It's like a super tight community. Like all the trails are really well done and like have a lot of personality to them, I guess, for lack of a better term. I mean, have you seen that? Like where the community is maybe a little more tight knit in these out of the way mountain bike spots? Into Alabama, like where my expectations were very low. Like I kind of didn't do much research, but I had heard about some great spots and then just showing up Coldwater was one of those communities that was like in Alabama, had no idea. I just heard it was kind of cool. And when I arrived, just to see what they're doing there and the tight knit community, like we went downtown, they had what they were building a big bike hall to host events and whatnot. And it's just, yeah, it's just really cool. And um, they had plans to maybe even turn it into a hostel eventually, like the upstairs portion <laughs> right down in the town. Cool. So it's just cool to see that like the bike communities are thriving everywhere you go. Yeah, that's really interesting. Tell us about some of the other people you've met on the road. I'm sure you've run into some interesting characters along the way. Yeah, it's it's been very, very cool. Like just the mountain bike community, like reaching out. I mean, everyone definitely that I meet up with, I think kind of, they, they know that they've been watching the videos that I'm doing. So they kind of know what I'm like looking to get after and, and whatnot with them. So it's just been really cool, I guess, open arms of, Hey, like we're down to take you out, show us our local trails. Yeah. And, and, and whatnot. And I feel like some of the people that I've been able to meet on this trip, like I'm literally in contact with a lot of them, like throughout the weeks now, like they're checking in, making sure I'm still alive. Like, I feel like I've <laughs> met a lot of like lifelong friends on the trip. So I think that's been one of the coolest things about the whole thing. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I mean, you mentioned it, like you've ridden all kinds of trails on this trip, everything from dirt jumps to some of the backcountry epics that are around the country. What are the bikes like in your quiver? I mean, 
obviously you're limited on space. And so what, what bikes are you hauling around with you so you can hit all these different trails? Yes. Yeah, so I have, I guess we'll go from, from the bottom and work our way up. Uh, I've got a, <laughs> I've got a dirt jumper. It's a Norco rampage hardtail that I do a lot of like, you know, skate parks, pump tracks, dirt jumps on. And then mm-hmm. I've got two trail bikes with me. One is, and this one is the one I spend most of my time on is a Norco site and it's a 29er. Yeah. Yeah. I'm reviewing that bike right now. Yeah. I, I absolutely love it. It's just, you know, the perfect amount of travel to where I can ride everything and not get, get in over my head. So mm-hmm. I've, yeah, I'd say I'd spend the most time on that bike. Then I also have a Norco range, which is a little bit larger, single crown, six inch bike that I don't spend as much time on that just because a lot of the stuff I've been riding lately, I'd say the first part of my trip, I I rode it more, but now elevations aren't as high. You really just don't need as much travel Mm -hmm. when it's, when it's, yeah, when the elevation's not that crazy. And then for the bike parks and downhill stuff, I've got um, a Norco arm. Um, full-on downhill bike so those four bikes have been pretty solid i'd say and then uh obviously can't forget um the <laughs> i've got a husqvarna fe 350 motorcycle that's on the front of my rv um it's plated so i'm able to like kind of ride around places that i get to to scout out or i've used it yeah. also as a shuttle rig like where i'll drive up to the top of a downhill or sorry i'll leave it at the bottom, drive up to the top, ride the run, and then just um, get to rip the moto back up to retrieve the oh, RV. Cool. So that's been nice. And then and then also being able to, like, a few days ago, we went right outside of Bella Vista in Arkansas and did some some trail riding and rode a track. So it's been fun to have that on the trip as well. Yeah. Have you had much trouble, like, keeping your bikes in good working order? Are you a pretty good mechanic yourself? For the most part, I make sure they stay like pretty lubed up being outside in the weather. That way things aren't like (laughs) getting rusty. But I mean, I think the amount that I ride the bikes, they don't get too, too beat up. I'd say definitely my site. I just did a full overhaul during a couple of these rainy days this last week in Arkansas. I had a friend of mine um, uh, who owns Bicycle OG um, here in Arkansas. He's like, all right, man, it's raining. Like we're going to go through your entire bike. And I'm like super fortunate that we did do that because I probably would have just rode it out for the last few states. But <laughs> right, yeah. But now I'm now I'm like really stoked to finish off the trip with the uh, the bikes all solid. Yeah, I mean, it seems like this could be potentially you know mechanical issues could really mess up your trip. You know, especially if you show up somewhere and one of your bikes is broken or <laughs> needs to be repaired. It's pretty wild. Like I've honestly have not changed out my suspension. I have not serviced my suspension. I haven't went through a single derailleur. (laughs) Wow. I'm trying to think, actually I did have to change my cassette yesterday or uh, two days ago when we did the maintenance because I just burned through the cassette on the 29 or just from like riding it so much. Like I was just skipping gears. Yeah. So I'd say that's like literally the only thing I really had to replace. What about other stuff? Like your shoes are holding up and your helmets and stuff like, do you, do you go through that stuff while you're on the road? No, yeah, everything's been really solid. I think I switched helmets maybe like once halfway through, just Bell updated some colorways. And besides that, yeah, my gear's been, been super great. I'd definitely changed out some knee pads just because when you're spending that much time in those things, it's not the worst <laughs> idea. 
but yeah, yeah, for the most part, yeah, it's been great. What kind of camera equipment are you using? I actually feel like I have one of the best, I'd say, introduction, not beginner, like it's 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 halfway decent, <laughs> but it's definitely nowhere near um, like pro level, but I'm like really stoked on it. So I'm shooting a lot of the stuff I do, I'll, I'll like arrive at a trail place and, and we'll go ahead and just ride the trails with GoPros first so I can actually just enjoy it, get out and see what's there and not have to be stopping it a lot. So I have um, two GoPro setups, like they're like the Hero 7s, and I actually still use the, the Karma gimbals with them. I prefer to use the gimbals, even though they have like the image stability now, just because when that thing is on your chest, you're leaning forward, it's it's also like leaning down, looking, looking lower, you know? But with the gimbals, you lean down, it stays the same perspective. And I shoot a lot of like the POV stuff, obviously, because it's the easiest so I just want it to look the best as possible. So you'll, yeah, if, you, if you'll see me out on the trail, I usually got a couple of gimbals, one on, one on my front, one on my back. Wow, two gimbals. How much better would you say the difference is between the gimbal and the Hero 7? The Hero 7 is actually, it's, it really is great. I still do use the Hero 7 without the gimbal when I'm dirt jumping or when I'm in situations where I'm going to be doing tricks and I don't really want to crash with a gimbal on my chest. Yeah. But I think for the trail riding stuff, I still just prefer it just because like, yeah, like I said, like your body position is always changing on the trail, but the camera position is staying stable. And that's another thing. I think having the camera on your chest is definitely like the best area because you get to see like the hands, the handlebars. Yeah. Whereas like if I put the Hero 7 on my helmet when I'm dirt jumping, like you don't really get as much out of it but it's also out of the way and safer right so yeah that's my like pov setup and then i started out the trip with like a sony a6000 which is a really great camera Mm -hmm. but didn't shoot slow-mo so i ended up upgrading um a few months into like a a sony a6500 which has like 4k slow-mo so i was just kind of basically that's what i wanted to get and i've been really happy with that camera i'm still just shooting with the kit lenses oh that's actually something i have gone through (laughs) quite a bit lately is uh is camera equipment i busted one lens a few months back had to replace that and then this last week in arkansas i busted the same lens again (laughs) luckily they're not too expensive on amazon but it's kind of yeah kind of a bummer when you're out working it actually put me out a couple days of not having a lens oh yeah i bet then when i was back down in louisiana about a week ago or sorry um about a month ago i was just finishing up a shoot at this place it had a lake and i just wanted to get this nice scenic shot and there were some branches hanging down and i definitely clipped a branch and sunk my drone into the lake oh no (laughs) so uh luckily i had insurance on that one so it was a quick turnaround with dji (laughs) You can get insurance on your drone? Yeah, so the drone I use is a Mavic Air. It's really compact, lightweight, it fits. Like I, I have all my stuff in like one camera bag that I can I can ride with it, but it is it is a bit heavy. Yeah. It's not ideal, but it's definitely doable. But yeah, you can when you purchase those, I think it's like an extra hundred bucks and they'll replace it up to two times, I believe. For us. Wow. I paid $60 and they replaced it. I had a new one within less than a week. So, Wow. They replace it just if you crash it? I mean, it's not like there's anything wrong with it. You just, you crashed it. No, yeah. It, if you crash it in the water, the only thing is you have to, like, 
if you crash into the ocean and you can't retrieve it, like you're, you're not getting a new one, but oh, I see. luckily it's actually pretty funny. I was, uh, I'm pretty sure there was like gators in this, in this lake in, in Louisiana, <laughs> but I, I was pretty motivated to not have to buy a new drone. So I just, yeah, just jumped in and found it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's impressive. I had no idea that existed. That's good to know. So one of the other things that seems to be a challenge with a trip like this is the weather. And I'm sure that's screwed up your plans a number of times. So what, like, what's the worst weather you've seen or the biggest like weather disasters you faced along the way? Yeah, I would say the beginning of my trip, actually, like I hit a lot of weather in like in Omaha where I was kind of just sitting still for about five days of just straight rain. And then I would say I was pretty lucky throughout a lot of it. I mean, there's days here and there, but like I said, the recent edit I just put online yesterday from the Delaware and Maryland area in DC, we just, this huge storm came through, snowed on DC, like, and that was just, yeah, just crazy. So there, and then actually where I'm at right now in Arkansas, it's been really cold, like. I was down in Mexico for a friend's wedding. I arrived here, flew down to Mexico, and I actually ended up staying in Mexico a few days longer because it was so cold here. Mm-hmm. And uh, when when I got back, I, of course, didn't winterize my RV because I didn't expect it to get that cold. So yeah. I arrived to like a blown up sink, a blown up shower head <laughs> just because it, oh, no. it was so cold that, yeah, just everything froze and expanded. Um But Arkansas, this has been a place that I've always, like, it was, like, really high on the list to come and check out what they're doing here. So I've ended up staying here for almost two weeks now. So it's definitely taken away a little bit of time from, like, my last few states. But I think it's definitely worth it to stay here. So, yeah, I have two days left, or the rest today and tomorrow, to finish up, which is perfect because the weather's finally great and... This place is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I imagine the weather too is kind of part of the story. I mean, you're going all over the country where, you know, we've got all kinds of different environments and you can hit snow and rain. And does that play into the story at all? Or are you, are you looking for like bluebird days for each one of your trips to like really show? No, I'm definitely just kind of running with it, you know, like sometimes I'm like, man, I probably sound like pretty negative. I'm always like, unfortunately it's <laughs> raining today. But uh, it's just part of it, you know. I'm just kind of going, winging it. And I I typically like to spend at least a week in each state. But if it's, like, raining the whole entire time. And my goal has been to usually try to hit two to three to four, like, really good spots in each state. Just because, yeah, I I, want to, like, be able to showcase. I don't want to say, like, oh, yeah, this is, like, the mountain biking in this state and not be able to, to show it the right way. So... I'm pretty hard on myself in that sense of like wanting to do a good job and make sure that I stick around long enough. But yeah, with the weather, sometimes it's just really tough to make it happen. And like I said, when I have people with me, like the Delaware, Maryland thing, I had a friend who was with me and she had her flight out. So we were kind of like pressed on time at that point. We're like, all right, well, we we kind of just have to go. But it's also another interesting thing too is like, hitting these areas at the, like, the wrong seasons. <laughs> like when I first started out my trip, I was hitting everything like perfect summertime. Everything was good. But 
towards when I got to the uh, the Northeast, I was definitely like into the end of the season. Everything was getting cold. I was able to ride a couple few bike parks on the East Coast, but a lot of them were shutting down pretty much right when I was arriving. So actually, when I was riding with Jeff Lenowski on the East Coast, he kind of made a joke. He's like, all right, well, when you get back in, in March, you got to just basically take a, take a month off and then you got to you got to do the whole trip again, but go the opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be interesting. <laughs> Everything at different times of the year. But yeah, I, I might I might wait on that though. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's talk about it. I mean, what what are your plans after you wrap up the trip? Four states to go, so you're getting near the end. What's what's next? Yeah, it's, it's kind of bittersweet. Like some days I'm like, it's going to be nice to just be in one spot for a little bit, but... Uh, I'm also just like trying to really enjoy these last four states because it's like one of the craziest, coolest things I've ever been able to like to do in my life. So, yeah, I'm uh, finishing up. I got to be back on into California on March 15th. My mom is actually turning 50 years old, so we fly to St. Thomas on March 16th. So I'm like literally, oh, wow. <laughs> literally getting back on the 15th and then flying out the next day. And then I'll be wrapping that up. And then I have a shoot the following week for X fusion. Who's one of my longtime sponsors. We're doing a Brian Lopes and I are doing a shoot in Santa Cruz for some new suspension that they're releasing. And then we'll be going straight into sea otter from that. And then I'm planning. So, so I originally started this trip, going to Alaska. I did the 48 states consecutively and I don't know if I'm saying this too soon, but I'm trying to work something out right now where I'm going to do an online contest to do a giveaway of a bike from Norco and an all expense paid trip for someone to meet me in Hawaii to (laughs) film my last episode. Cool. And basically... Because my my end goal with this whole project, like the YouTube videos um, was one side of it, but there's also an agency that I've worked with over the last 10 years on doing um, creating like TV shows out of the projects that I've been doing. Mm-hmm. So our goal is to actually create a documentary on riding my bike in all 50 states. So so yeah, I'll uh, I'll finish it up, try to um, get the, the Hawaii thing all worked out. And then after that, I kind of just want to take the, 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 this following summertime to, to work on getting all that put together and, and just kind of maybe not filming every day of my life for a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then, yeah, then I want to possibly get an adventure bike and take off towards South America and then start a new journey all over again. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I know. I'm sure a lot of us are envious of you too. I mean, this, the lifestyle of being able to travel with your bike and check out all these new places, but you know, we can't do it, but we can at least watch you do it. And that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks, man. No, it's been, it's been super great. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us for the podcast, Andrew. Uh, we'll definitely be keeping track and, uh, watching you as you finish up the 48 state trip. Right on. Thanks for taking the time to do this. I appreciate it. Well, you can keep track of Andrew's travels on his YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash Andrew Taylor, or you can just search for Andrew Taylor and find his channel there. And Single Tracks will continue to share the videos from the road as well. That's all I've got this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Peace. <laughs>